Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Louis Falgu. And I am your other host, Stephen Falgu. Get Wrecked is our fortnightly podcast Louis where Falgu. every week I recommend something to Louis, Louis recommends something to me, and then we discuss those recommendations. Today is the wrap-up of our, well, wrap-up in that our recommendation today will be the end of our three-part series where we're looking back as we've now hit into the 30s of episodes, looking back at uh, some of our past recommendations and giving recommendations related to some of those. So today we'll be looking at some Pink Floyd, some Vampire Weekend, which Lewis and I have recommended to each other before. Yeah, um, I do think that we need to clarify a little bit, just in case it was confusing. So what Stephen was saying was that the recommendations at the end of today's episode are the final re-wreck. So the next ep- Get Wrecked episode will be the final re-wrecked episode. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Um, but yes, that's true. And yeah, fact, I misspoke there. Technically, next episode is the wrap-up, but this episode's Rex today yeah. will be the last of this it's series the beginning of the end if you will and now i think the plan is or at least my idea was uh, maybe i'm throwing this one on steven super late and he didn't even know oh shit but um my idea was that re-wreck will be a continuous thing but we'll do it i don't know i guess we can do it every 30 episodes now that we did it on episode 30 i guess it doesn't really matter um but it just gives us a chance to kind of go back and reflect on other things and kind of look at other things especially in cases where one of us might feel like we didn't recommend the right thing um from any particular or, or whatever the case may be right okay so and some um, people out there might be asking wow you guys are expecting to have another 30 episodes i do want to stress we are stuck in this prison we okay. cannot escape yeah whether you were trying for this entire time you guys don't even know this has been a cry for help from the fucking beginning and none of you listened which and whether and and to be clear whether you listen to our podcast or not we will still have to do this podcast it's been mandated. It's thanks to our corporate sponsors. Yeah. Which, of course, we share our utmost gratitude and servitude towards and do not wish any ill will towards. Oh, please, God, help us and remove us from this eternal coil. Anyway. And, Lewis, I like how you noted servitude because, really. <laughs> yeah, really, we are the um, exploited proletarians in this situation. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Which we'll talk about later. Okay, but before... Oh, ooh! <laughs> I love it when that happens. Before we get there, uh, Lewis, last week I recommended to you Vampire Weekend's first album, self-titled, Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend was a 2008 album. It was their, obviously, breakout album. They've now had, just recent, up until recently, uh, four albums released. So with that, Lewis, I will hand it well, over to you. Would you like to explain what was the last thing from this band that you wrecked to me? I think that's important, right? No. Re- oh, okay. Well, last <laughs> time Stephen recommended to me Modern Vampires of the City. I don't remember what episode. It wasn't too long ago. Um, and, you know, one thing I think that was pretty good about this rewreck here is that Modern Vampires of the City, and Stephen didn't know this at the time, but it was an album I'd already heard, and it was also my only Vampire Weekend album. Um, and... You know, whether I had heard it beforehand or not is kind of irrelevant. Really, I think going back to this album showed me that, 
you know, that album is a little bit of a misleading album for what this band's sound is. I think if you're like just getting into them, like it's a good starter album in the sense that it, it's, it's a good album. But does it really reflect Vampire Weekend sound? I mean, only kind of. Um, you know, listening to this album and um, from other stuff I'm familiar with from the band as well, like outside of um, Modern Vampires, you know, Modern Vampires is a very um, matured version of, I think, the Vampire Weekend sound. I mean, there's a similarity. But this album in comparison, and, you know, it only came out, what, five years before? But it's so immature in comparison to Modern Vampires of the City. And, you know... I think that's probably its biggest quality, too, is it has that immaturity and kind of wears it on its sleeve. I mean, despite the fact that I think Vampire Weekend is kind of like they had this like Ivy League, like preppy boy hipster image. Um, I don't really think the sound of the album reflects that. Um, at least maybe it did at the time or maybe it made sense at the time, but I'm not getting those vibes from this. I got those vibes from the other album. I'm definitely not getting them from this. This is like a super playful, kind of goofy um, and extremely breezy indie pop record here um, that I guess, you know, it didn't necessarily catch me off guard, but it, it's certainly interesting going back in their discography after having heard what I think, I mean, I don't know about Father of the Bride now, but what I think up to that point anyway was their most mature statement. Yeah, and I think that we had talked about this last time a little bit, but what I think what I think is interesting about Vampire Weekend in at least their first three album is that there was a very clear arc of immaturity to maturity where Contra kind of bridged this gap. You could, you could tell that they were really coming into their own in a certain sound, but a lot of the tracks still felt very vampire weekend as in the album vampire weekend. Whereas the, last one we talked about modern vampires of city and i think i had mentioned at the time was a much more mature album this feels like to me every time i listen to it and uh partially because i mean it's very clear that this is where they were at the time but this feels very much like a college campus preppy sound album versus a versus a modern vampires of the city and now even their most recent album is a very mature, introspective, reflective album. See, it's just really funny that you say that because, and I understand the idea behind um, Vampire Weekend, like as an image at this time, was that they were this like preppy collegiate Ivy League. Um, that's what I kept seeing, Ivy League. But the weird thing is, and again, maybe I, I don't know why this is, and maybe I'm just missing something that other people are seeing, I guess, but it doesn't really feel that way to me uh, it, do it really doesn't. I mean, lyrically, maybe a little bit. And of course, there is literally a song called Campus that speaks of being on a high <laughs> university campus. But um, it, it, it's it's it, this album sounds like even more youthful than that. And it, it sounds like really playful and goofy. Um, and of course, it, it, when it when it wants to be something else and it wants to take itself a bit more seriously, it does. Uh, I'm not saying this sounds like the goofiest, most like absurdist shit you can imagine or something like that. But it but it has that quality to it, which I guess I wasn't expecting here um yeah so i mean you know if you guys will remember like 
Modern Vampires of the City, I thought, was a solid record, but, like, it, it doesn't really... That album doesn't really blow me away on any level. Um, it's it's breezy and it's nice and it has a nice um, regal sound to it. I think the production's pretty uh, is very good and I think the songs are, are pretty good. You know, like it's it's a good record. I just doesn't blow me away by any means. And I can say that you know my assumption at that point was it was probably their best album and maybe Vampire Weekend just like wasn't super for me. Um, and this this self titled record. It didn't confirm that that's their best album because I haven't heard the other ones, but it certainly added more evidence to that theory because this album is like, it's really breezy and it, it's really nice, but I, well, I, 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 I want to stop there though, because I think this feels to me, Lewis, more like a matter of perspective, right? Because I think that if you're looking for that maturity, then I think, hands down, no question, you would probably go to Modern Vampires of the City and say that's their, that's the best album in their disc collection. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that, but my criticism isn't about, it has nothing to do with maturity. I, I wasn't mentioning that as a criticism. I think immaturity is perfectly acceptable in music. Um, one of my favorite albums is Green Day's Dookie, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I'm very okay with immaturity. Um, but my, my problem with this album, and it's not even really a problem so much as it is a reservation, I guess you could say. It's just that it's like, yeah, it's a collection of breezy songs. It's a nice breezy 34 minutes, concise record. But nothing here stands to me as being really all that great. Um, you know, Modern Vampires doesn't just have maturity over this. Um, of course, that's what separates it from this, I think. But Modern Vampires has better songwriting, um, more lavish production, uh, and, and just more creativity. Like, a lot of the songs here utilize the same sort of twangy um, acoustic guitar, which is pretty stereotypical of indie music. Um, However, it doesn't really come to define some of the best albums I think of in indie music. Like, it's usually the weaker, less satisfactory, and less recognizable indie bands who all kind of blend together. And, and I'm not accusing Vampire Weekend of being one of those, because I do think they stand out from that crowd. Um, but they sh I, to me, they share that sonic similarity that makes this, like, you know, a breezy indie album with some character. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, as far as standout tracks and weaker tracks... The album isn't completely 100% consistent. Like, I do think some songs are better than others. Um, Walkout was my favorite song here. Um, and um, stuff like A-Punk and stuff are like, they're, they're, they're kind of bops. Um, but, like, the weaker stuff here, just it just really, like, I don't know. Some of the parts of this album just kind of dragged for me. Like, I, I feel like um, whatever the name of that one song is, Cape Cod Something Something, um, just is a really dull tune at its core. And same thing with, um, like, uh, M79 and um, Bryn. Like, some of these songs are just very, I don't know, they feel like they lack substance. And, um, and, and yeah, I don't want to keep going, but, <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to spoil my final score on this one because this is easily, this album is easily within my top five albums of all time. I think that there's some, and if I 100%, I, it's nostalgia, first of all. Um, I think that this hit at just like the perfect time. And then it's also what I just mentioned, this hit at just the right time for me, where this has really, this really changed my perspective on what I like from music. I think ultimately, 
I would say I, I definitely agree. There are some weaker tracks on here, but the Ezra's vocals are great on all of these songs. I really like um, I really like the very pop-minded, pop-centric guitar riffs that you have here. A lot of the just flow of all of these tracks. There's just something about this album that really speaks to me. And it's hard to say how I even would stack this up against their other ones because I have really enjoyed everything that this band has. I mean, this is my favorite band of all time. So there's that too. Uh, but like, I think that for me, what's interesting is like every time I go back to this one, I'm reminded of how much I enjoy it. And then I'll go to the next one, reminded of how much I enjoy that one. And that one becomes my new favorite. So they're always they're always in flux. But what I really like about this breakout album for them is that it really is that you know everything that you mentioned, super breezy. All of these are could easily be on the pop charts, honestly. Um, and a lot of them charted on on like alt rock stations. But a lot of these, I think that this really definitely defined the late 2000s because so many of these songs were in so many films from the late 2000s too especially a punk that showed up everywhere yeah i had somebody tell me that vampire weekend reminds them of a wes anderson film which is pretty funny because i think that the um the styles here are actually kind of similar it's almost like the sonic equivalent you know yeah i could i could definitely see that yeah mm. uh you know i i feel like so here's the thing right um, and I, I really, I really appreciate it. And I actually, I'm not, you know, um, there are some albums that if I thought, if I was feeling at this level about them, I would want to kind of, I would want to like argue with you about the, about it and have fun for the show's sake. But the thing is like, I, let me say this about this album. Um, you know, and I, I think I don't really see much in this to be honest, but it's the kind of album where like, I acknowledge for sure that, um, for this time period of indie music, Vampire Weekend obviously did something for somebody. I mean, you get these indie bands who come around every now and again who are of this oeuvre. And again, I am not... When I, when I say that, I don't mean that this is as weak or, or something like that. I just mean I think it comes out of the same kind of idea of indie. There are other bands that come out of this oeuvre who pop up and go away like that. You know, like bands who come up and like they make a song. They make like some dumb fucking indie song with like that acoustic guitar, you know, a nice twangy acoustic guitar and like some like boyish singer um, and, and, and just produce. But I'm going to I'm going to. I'm going to compare them to like a because this is what I think of when I hear that and it all was in the same time frame like a pumped up kicks. You remember that song? <laughs> oh, yeah. Pumped up kicks? Yeah. Right? But I think what's what's different to me about Vampire Weekend is one uh, first of all these they have a lot of really great tracks on this album. Um but two uh, I think that Ezra has always had something to say and he continues to find that voice. And while this one was, is, as you mentioned, probably the least mature and really the it's, they're really just kind of super flowy songs. I mean, honestly, they probably got in the studio and were like, Oh, that sounds really good because like, what's a Cape Cod Quasa Quasa? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and they like talk about Paul Simon and stuff. It's like just and random Peter Gabriel, too. Peter Gabriel. Yeah. It's like random nonsense. <laughs> right. 
<clears throat> well, some of the but, lyrics had meaning. I read them. They 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 were talking about some like social. They talked about colonialism a lot on this album. But that's the thing, right? So they <laughs> yeah. they even at this point, even when they were the their most basic, they still clearly had a message and a voice and a very clear voice that I think is missing from something like a pumped up kicks, which is just clearly an indie song that's just trying to be out there or, on the radio. Or what's that? Um, <laughs> Well, Pumped Up Kicks was like a, yeah. Or, or what's that um fucking, oh, what's that awful fucking indie band that had that song, that Heyo song or whatever? Oh, God, I can't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the Lumineers, but oh, that's, that's different. God. Okay, the Lumineers is more in the Mumford & Sons, like, camp yeah, of indie. That's, that's but different. but, but I, all I'm saying is, like, I think of these indie bands from this era who who I found it really blend together and make really boring, breezy songs that had nothing to them. No, fun is way worse. This is completely a tangent, but speaking of the Lumineers, I remember the year the lumineers because they won a grammy i want to say for like best new artist or something and they literally only had the one song yeah and that year i saw uh, i i very clearly remember this i saw that they had a concert and they were trying to fill up like a stadium Not like, oh, you know, you're kind of just standing room only where you probably would expect them to be. No, like a full stadium. Yeah. And it, and I mean, like, and, and let's not let's not mince words here either. The one song that they had was just terrible. Like this band. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, um, the point is, yeah, I agree. They're from a different camp. But, but the, my point is what I'm trying to say is that I don't I can't hate this like I can hate pap like that. I can't. And at the same time, I also think that, like, I think Vampire Weekend is an eminently hateable band in the sense that I would bet you that there is a large camp of people who fucking hate Vampire Weekend. And I don't even know that there is. I'm just I'm just wagering there probably is because the sound, especially that they provide on this album, I didn't I didn't hate it. But I was listening to it, and I'm like, this is really hateable. Like, I could totally imagine people hearing this and being like, this fucking sucks. Like, the the um, uh, Ezra's voice. I mean, um, the twangy, kind of goofy-sounding um, songs. I, I mean, like, I just bet this has a fucking huge hater crowd. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, even down to how, like, kind of pompous the album art is. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. And I, I bet you it exists. And I'll tell you what, like... I can't put myself there. Like, I feel like Vampire Weekend has something, and I can't put my finger on what. Because when I listen to this, I don't get much out of it. I find this to be pretty bland, to be honest with you, with some okay songwriting um, here or there. But, like, I can't can't put my finger on what it is, but I feel like this band just has something more than some of the other bands I associate with them. And so I can totally give them credit for that. Um, But I will say that it seems to me, and I mean, I wouldn't be, like, completely unwilling to check out Contra or the new album... Um, I guess, but like, it seems to me that it's probably pretty likely Modern Vampires is going to end up being my favorite from this band. And, it, and and I just view that as a solid record, right? But like, I'll give them credit. Like, I think they're a little bit above the punch from who I think they are like. I remember somebody on my server argued that they're even more bland than One Republic. And that just made me realize how much a cut above the rest they actually are <laughs> because i was like that is one of the craziest things i've ever heard um you're in here um i'm, I'm calling you out buddy i see you in the chat you know that was bullshit and i don't even really like this band <laughs> but anyway um but yeah like you know anyway um i, I feel like I, i've said my piece mostly we can get on to the final thoughts so i can be a little bit more clear because i feel like i'm being a little vague um if if we wouldn't mind unless you have something else to say 
No, let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. So final thoughts. Like I said, um, you know, to me, this is a nice, concise 34-minute listen. And it does flow really well, I will say that. But a lot of that is just because all the songs are tonally remarkably similar. Um, and I don't really have a problem with an album being samey necessarily. And also, I do think the songs have variety. Um, but I actually think it works to this album's benefit in some ways because it feels even shorter than it is. And it's pretty short. Um, it's a good. I can see why Steven would really love this, especially if it connected with you at the right time because it is it's it's clearly such a re-listenable album that you can just put on and listen to and finish but at the same time like i don't see anything in this really beyond that i mean i think there are some pretty fun little upbeat songs it's got it's a breezy album it's a nice indie pop album there's some okay songwriting some okay hooks um ezra's vocals are pretty solid the only song that i thought to be really fucking annoying was um one blake's got a new face that song Ooh man that that hurt me but (laughs) other than that like i um yeah, I mean, I, I admire it in, in some way. I think it's it's a nice indie pop album. I can see why somebody would really like it. Um, I'm going to give it a six. Uh, so that's just one point below what I gave Modern Vampires, you know. Um, but it's a more positive six than a negative six. Some sixes are like, man, this had so much more potential that it didn't capitalize on. And other sixes are like, that was, that was nice. And that's kind of what this one is for me. So um, would I recommend this? Uh, not really. Um... Yeah, not really. But I mean, I guess it depends on if my description sounded at, sounded good to you, I guess. Then, you know, <laughs> sure. And I still really, really enjoy this thing. I think up and down, I like the production quality. I like the catchiness of all these songs because they are very catchy. Ezra's vocals, I've always enjoyed. I think that this thing is just so easily listenable as you mentioned it's like 34 minutes and you can put it on and then it's like basically over and you're like oh nice and then you can listen to it again if you'd like but unfortunately i have to give it a nine it's not a 10 because it's not one republic (laughs) nice i appreciate that anyway uh yeah i just i just we're repping our boys one republic out there okay they're doing a good job okay give them credit come on (laughs) anyway look they're they if they they're not called Two Republic for a reason, because there's only one of them, so. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I think we should move on to what I recommended you, Steven. Are you ready? Of this segment, to be honest with you. However, um... And so that was our show, everyone. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Go listen to A Momentary Lapse of Reason. Uh, anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's what I recommended to Steven, and I recommended it to him to be one of my garbage wrecks. You know, the point of the show is to recommend anything, whether it's good or bad, as long as we've seen it and want the other person to react to it in some way. Um, so that was my choice. But, uh, you know, on second thought, I was like, did I really just recommend an album from, like, my second favorite band or maybe my favorite band to Steven and I recommended him their worst album and I felt kind of bad about it. So I, when I was thinking back to what to do for Rerec, I was like, this is the kind of thing where I want to do something else. Now I remember specifically, Steven, you saying in that momentary lapse episode, you said that you weren't really that big into Pink Floyd, that you basically respected them more than you enjoyed their music. Like you said, they obviously had, if I remember correctly, you said they obviously had some good albums like Dark Side of the Moon and, and The Wall and whatever, but like, um, it they just weren't really for you. Um, and I figured, you know, well, I could give him Dark Side of the Moon. I could give him uh, something like that. But, like, you probably already heard that. But I I assumed, and you can correct me if I was wrong, I assumed you have not heard Animals or anything off of it. Um, so I wanted to throw you a curveball with 
Uh, I shouldn't spoil that just yet, but yeah, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Did, have you heard this before? Have you heard the songs? Have you heard of this artist before? Ah, I have. Lewis recommended me this album. I've not heard of this artist before. Pink Floyd, you know. Yeah, well, what's interesting is I actually have short-term memory loss. So even though I listened to Pink Floyd's last album, I had never heard of this band. So that yeah. was <laughs> kind of an exciting adventure for me. But yes, Lewis, I have heard this album before, actually. Ooh. So what's interesting is, um, I, I still, I'll just get this out of the way. Like, I still would say I feel largely the same way about them. Just for whatever, like, I, I enjoy them, but they're not a band that I'll put on, on any regular cadence. And exactly, um, we have a, a listener here in the chat who said I had a momentary lapse of reason. That's true. <laughs> um, nice. After listening to that album, pretty much everyone better have a momentary lapse of reason because the album is garbage. (laughs) Um, But uh, this album, uh, like I said, I I still enjoy them. Every time I put Pink Floyd on, besides that album, every other major album that I put on. That's a masterpiece, Steven. I am upset. Well, it's such a masterpiece that I can only listen to it once. And it's like, okay, now now it's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Every other album that I put on by Pink Floyd, I've always enjoyed, but they're, I don't know, just something about it. But enough about that, talking about this album. What's interesting to me about this album, actually, is that it is also very short, like, ultimate, but maybe that's just because, Lewis, very lately you've been recommending to me albums that are, like, seven hours long. <laughs> so, yeah, so, To Be Kind, the famous seven-hour album. Yeah, so uh, in comparison, 40 Minutes is like, ooh. Sure. I have tons of 40 minutes to kill. Um, so I think what I really enjoyed most about this album is the production. Obviously, Roger Waters is still great vocally on this thing. The, geez, God, the guitar riffs up and down this album are just like, and that's the thing that I've always enjoyed the most about Pink Floyd, honestly, is... Um, David fucking Gilmore, man. Is David Gilmore David on the guitar? It's just Gilmore. insane sometimes, especially like in Dogs. Oh. Uh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> His um, guitar solos just—you will never hear a guitar solo that will move you in the way a Gilmore solo will. You just won't. Like, yeah. I haven't. Yeah, and and honestly, like if this album was just that, I would have been like, holy god. <laughs> But then there's all the stuff around it, too, which is incredibly amazing. The concept... I want to ask you something, Lewis, before I before we keep going here. Uh, so I know it's a concept album. And the concept here really is centered around, you know, like some uh, political mm-hmm. stance. And would you consider this to be a protest album? Um... Yes, yes, I absolutely it, it would. It kind of, it like, is, right? I absolutely would. Um, so you would you to... call this a concept and a protest <laughs> album? Sure. I, I, um, on that point, you, you have to remember to the time period and the place that this came from. In 1970, I mean, this is a direct response to Thatcherism, which, am I mistaken, or did we talk about something else that was also a response to Thatcherism? Or am I just getting weird um, deja vu right now? <laughs> but for some reason, I feel like we did. Maybe it'll come to me. Um, what about uh, that? one lady who had that album that like the the DJ cover Harvey? art was... yeah that wasn't about margaret thatcher but it was a british 
protest. Th- maybe I'm just thinking of that. Whatever. The- yeah, PJ Harvey, that one lady. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that one lady. I um, but yeah, and, and so and so yes, I do think. And actually, hey, uh, you don't know. Maybe Margaret Thatcher was in the war she was talking about. <laughs> she fought on the front lines. Yeah, she but, fought on the front but, lines. But when we um, you know. I think something that's really essential to note here that I do think makes this a protest album is, and you may not have, you may or may not have caught it, but on the song Pigs, um, the three verses reference actual political figures. And in fact, in the, uh, it's the third verse, it's the third verse. He references specifically Mary Whitehouse. So if that doesn't make it a protest album, I don't know what does like referencing a politician who's currently in office by name. Um, you know, so yeah. I think that what's really great about this album Pigs on the Wing Part 1, Pigs on the Wing Part 2. I love how this album is kind of a circular album. It opens and closes very similarly. Um, That I really enjoyed. Even these longer tracks like Dogs, it's just such an amazing journey from start to finish. I think something that I often mention as we talk about music that have longer tracks is how bored i get through them <laughs> because my attention span is low yeah, because i'm bored during bring the sun to salt louver tour which i'll be sure to bring up many more times throughout our because podcast I'm, um, <laughs> yeah because i'm a millennial mm. um and it's like oh this song isn't an app on my phone so how <laughs> yeah, wow millennials. but all of these longer tracks it doesn't even you don't even feel it honestly and really to Ultimately, like this whole al- album is just like one continuous thing. So it's like they all kind of blend anyway. Not blend in that like I-, I can't separate them, but blend in that they just very naturally flow into one another. Yeah, it feels like one piece. Yeah. So it just feels like one piece. So it's kind of like, well, you don't really even notice. But like listening to them track by track, all the longer tracks, I just really enjoy. And each individual track I found has a very nice arc in its production and the lyrics and all of the musicality. And then obviously across the whole album, there's a very nice arc in the same way. I think what's interesting about this concept album is that this has been... uh, I feel like even the musicality here really spoke to me. Like, I feel the concept even in the musicality. Not as much as, and I'm going to go back to the P.J. Harvey album, because that also was something that was like a big protest album. I don't know if I, would you consider it a concept album? Oh, kind of, yeah. right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, not necessarily to that degree, because I really felt like every single track there, I, f- I felt it from the lyrics to the score to everything. But on this album as well, I feel that pretty much from every track too. Yeah, and I mean like... You know, when people think of Pink Floyd concept albums, I think, or at least probably when most people do, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is The Wall, because The Wall is a big double album. It's a story album, and let's be real here, all of their biggest hits that everybody knows. It's a movie. Yeah, it is a movie, too. And all their biggest hits that everybody knows um, are on The Wall, pretty much. Um, so, So that's obviously where people go. But the thing about Animals is this is... The, the wall is the sprawling double album, you know, with all this insane transitional material and all this kind of stuff on there. This album is a concise three songs. I mean, yes, there's Pigs in the Wing, which is two, uh, two additional two songs, but it's it's three songs. You know, it's dogs, pigs, and sheep. That's the core of this album, and then it's bookended by the other two songs. And I mean, 
it is remarkable how much they are able to get out of this concept with only three songs in 40 minutes. It's insane. And I think the reason it's so impressive to me is that Roger Waters, he really was the mastermind behind this record in the, in the, concept, in the conceptual department anyway. Um, he crafted this brilliant narrative arc that speaks, I mean, that just allows him to speak volumes about everything that needs to be said on this topic. You have the ruthless businessmen, the dogs, the politicians, the pigs, and then the mass public, the sheep. Um, and that's all you need because you can cover every single kind of, um, of social commentary and criticism that can be directed towards the um, crony capitalist, just capitalist um, uh, system that uh, Margaret, Thra Mar Margaret Thatcher is famous for. Um, and I mean, it's so biting. Like um, the song Pigs is truly just one of the most snarky and like, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it, it, uh, I, we'll just go with snarky, but it's like it makes a mockery of the politicians. There is absolutely it, it, it. I mean, it treats them like people who should just be ashamed of their existence. Like if you read these lyrics, Roger Waters lyrics here um, are, are, are just so incredibly like mean spirited. And there's a good reason for that, because I think in the first song where he talks about these businessmen, which I think is where a lot of people would be quick to place so much blame um, and. Um, you know, he that he does place a lot of blame. He paints them out to be these ruthless, conniving, um, inhumane assholes. But at the same time, he's like he's actually sympathetic for them. There, there's there's a line in here about how um, uh, you're just another saddled man, all alone and dying of cancer. Like in the end, this businessman who's lived his life. Um, um, lift his life uh, punching his way to the top and leaving everyone behind in the dust um, and exploiting everyone and, and uh, treating humanity like a game um, in the, at the end of the day is the same like the same kind of sad person victim to the system that everybody else is a victim to. And, and I think the thing that astonishes me about this album um, more and more as I listen to it now, because I've heard this thing, God, it have been over a hundred times at this point, probably maybe even around 200. I've listened to this thing so much. Um, and what, what gets to me now is just how much of a, I mean, I, just a literary masterpiece it is lyrically. Like Pink Floyd has great lyrics generally across the board, but this album just takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, um, not only with the narrative structure, but um, like, the 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 absolutely brilliant um, final passage of dogs, where Roger Waters highlights all of the ways in which um, the businessmen think of everybody else um, as like ruthless individuals who can't do this or whatever that that the final coda section, and and finishing it off with. Um, who was dragged down by the stone, which is a concept kind of throughout the record, the idea of the stone, which of course is the system dragging everybody under. I mean, my God, this thing is, it, it's fucking brilliant. Um, I talked for a long time to say something. Lewis, this is a almost complete non sequitur, but one thing that, uh, that this page suggests is that this album is a response to the punk rock movement. It's been said that way, yeah. Yeah. But in what capacity? Like, what regard? So, so, one of the things that punk rock responded to was progressive rock. 
because um, again, these were around the same area in the UK, right? I mean, punk spawned in a multitude of places, but um, and and the kind of bomb, um, ridiculous bombast, and you know all the crazy shit you associate with progressive rock bands. And of course, Pink Floyd is a progressive rock band. Um, and what a lot of punk bands were doing was this kind of rebellious political nature. You think of the Sex Pistols and other bands from, from around this era, and yeah, in that sense, the album. It's when it, when it says that, it doesn't mean that the album is a punk album or takes influence from punk. I mean, it does lyrically, but it's that, you know, they turned their um, prog sensibilities into a harsher, more biting direction, similar to punk rock. And if you compare even the production on this record, which is still stellar, um, if you compare the production of this album to the previous two, Wish You Were Here and Dark Side, it is so much harsher and less pristine than those two albums. Like, in so many ways, this is, I think, a response to, to punk rock, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, um, something that you brought up also that I think is worth mentioning again is like, um, and of course, Gilmore's guitar playing all over this record is insane, but the solos on this thing are just breathtaking. I mean, the two solos in Dogs are just two of the greatest guitar solos ever fucking recorded. Like, like this, I mean... (laughs) Oh yeah, easily. And it's, and if I think if someone were to listen to this and say, "Hmm, that was okay," I'd be like, "What did you just listen to?" Yeah, I know. Or take the solo in Pigs, where he makes his guitar sound like a squealing pig. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, I mean, God. And then there's the final solo in that song. It's just astonishing. Another thing you brought up, I wanted to touch on here, is you brought up how each song has an arc to it, and that is a hundred percent correct. I mean. These songs each have their individually, like, amazing intro, um, amazing intros, obviously fantastic stuff, interplay throughout the song, break sections, solos, all this crazy shit, and then they all round out with a coda that makes that entire song feel worth it. You think of the final moments on uh, Dogs, the who was this, who was that bit, which is an astonishing finale to that song. The finale to Pigs, where Gilmore just rips a final solo that is it insane um and um i didn't say punk rock had a connection to art rock i don't know what you're talking about i didn't say that um uh and then on top of that like um at the um the finale to sheep oh my god like wow it's just mind-blowing it's got one of the biggest and most incredible finishes to any song and it's such a simple chord progression but it sounds incredible and i mean it truly makes the finale of this album feel like a real like journey that you've actually reached a destination you know and 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 maybe that's why also you didn't feel like you could be bored by these songs because they all take you on such a journey but the important thing is that they finish you off in a place where you really feel like it was worth actually going every step that you took and even the more muted stuff is so classically pink floyd to me like you know, the very intro of this album, the way that it kind of rounds out on Pigs Part 1 and Part 2, even that lighter fare that, you know, not the big grand guitar solos, just the very rhythmically inclined guitar that they have within these albums is incredible as well. 
Oh yeah, well, I mean, instrumentally, they're just on point. I mean, I mean, and, and you know, everybody gets p- places to shine here. Like the bass on Moments of Pigs is insanely good. I think of the intro to Pigs where you get um, Richard Wright's keyboard, and then like that bass line comes in, and it just like wraps around the keyboard. It's like. It's 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 amazing. Um, the 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 keyboard work, like the keyboard solo in Dogs, which is this incredibly subdued um, section that you know not much really happens, but as it builds in this solo, just begins to envelop the listener. It's really astonishing. And I mean, we already talked about the guitar work, which is just incredible. Um, another thing as well, I think the actual structure of the record is just brilliant. Like this thing is an album that constantly ramps up in intensity, right? Dogs is the most mellow of the three main songs here. Um, Pigs picks that up a notch. It's a, it, it rocks a lot harder. There's a lot more prominent harsh guitars in it. Um, and some really intense soloing. And then Sheep just, it just kicks the door down. I mean, it just amps this this album's like energy up to fucking 11. Um, and I just think it was really smart how they constantly ramp up that intensity and energy. And again, it plays into the concept pretty well too, as the Sheep eventually like revolt um, and kill the dogs as happens at the end. But but as these these events are bubbling up to the surface, the album is gaining intensity and energy as well. It's, it's really incredible. And, and then Pigs on the Wing, does a good job of calming you between those moments reminding you that maybe things are going to be okay whereas the rest of this album is telling you things are not okay things are not okay you know so it gives you some reprise and i just oh man i just adore it i think that we could gush about this for a long time so maybe we kind of wrap it up give our final thoughts yeah all right go ahead so up and down this thing is really incredible and i think that we just talked about all the main reasons but for me it's vocally it's lyrically it's all the musicality displayed within this as i mentioned i really enjoyed all the individual arcs from track to track but then the overarching arc of the entire album it's only 40 minutes it really grips you lewis you mentioned that those individual arcs really kind of have you hanging on and there's a nice rising action there's a nice lead off as you go into track to track and i think that's what really helps this thing i give this also a nine today so two nines i think the only reason for me why it's not a 10 is as i mentioned it's one of those where gosh i really like the experience but i don't it's just one of those where for whatever reason me and pink floyd have never fully gelled it's not something i think i would go back to i enjoyed the experience and I like listening to Pink Floyd every now and then, but there's still just that one little something that doesn't push it over the edge. I think uh, everything David Gilmore does on this album is 100% a 10 out of 10. So uh, if I think that like that alone maybe pushes it more to like the 9.5, but I like to give usually kind of the clean um, whole numbers. I would definitely recommend this album to anyone, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, something funny that's been going on here, Steven, is we're 31 episodes into Get Wrecked, and I have recommended you all three of my top three favorite albums, uh, which I didn't realize until a little while ago, and I was like, hey, we've just touched on my top three, that's interesting, um, you know, uh, if you remember my favorite album of all time, In the Airplane Over the Sea, I wrecked to him uh, a while back, um, and just in these last two episodes, I rounded it out, To Be Kind's my third favorite album, and this is sitting right there in that second spot you know pink floyd 
I mean, for, for starters, like, the streak that they hit in the 70s is practically unmatched. Like, when you think about what they made, I mean... They had a streak of Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, and The Wall. Like, holy shit. Like, how many bands could ever dream of nailing that level of consistency with, the, with four albums in a row? I mean, that's astonishing. And to me, Animals is their best record. Like, um, and, and, and yes, Dark Side sits at my number two spot, but Animals... I mean, man, like, not only is this their tightest and most fully realized concept, musically, this is insane. Like, you mentioned that Gilmore, Gilmore gets a 10 on this thing. Gilmore gets a 13 on this thing, okay? Like, wow! This is just truly some of, if not the greatest guitar work across an album that I've ever heard. It's, it's remarkable. Um, the concept is insanely good. The lyrics are poignant, biting, and they still hold water today. This thing has not lost a shred of potency, legitimacy, or credibility. Like, this still, this, the, the, the concept, the idea, and the things that they were talking about on this album apply just as much, if not more, to the states, the state that, um, these countries live in today. I mean, whether it's the US or the UK, whatever. Um, maybe not the UK, I guess. Um, and, and in that sense, like, it really does remain this kind of timeless album that maybe one day could be looked at as, like, a historical icon of how things were at the time, but at least for now, it still means something. Um, of course this is a 10. I mean, this is just track to track, second to second, just some of the greatest music that, that has ever been made. And I, you know, and, and, I, and I totally, I, I have no problem with, with um, the band just not personally gelling for you. Uh, I, re I really don't. I think 10 should be personal, and I get it. That's fine. Um, you know, but if we're talking musically, like this thing, mus I mean, musically, lyrically, everything, flow-wise, this thing is just perfect. It is a perfect record. I have no problems with it. And there, even a lot of the albums I would give a 10, I couldn't really say that. Like, this is truly perfect. Perfect. Um, and, and yeah, so would I recommend this? Of course not. It fucking sucks. Why would you listen to this shit? Dumb dad rock. Garbage. Anyway. Um, yes, I recommend yeah, it. Get this dinosaur rock out of here. Dinosaur. I, give me my imagined dragons, mom. Anyway. Um, okay. Yeah, where's One Republic? Am I right? One Republic! I stand them so much. Okay. Okay, so it uh, looks like it's my recommendation now. Uh, Rerec. Everybody, just keep in mind. So today, what we are, if you, if, I mean, obviously they should remember, but um, we are doing the final episode of Rerec. So the recommendations that Stephen and I are going to be giving you here are um, callbacks, continuations from, or any other sort of a rec we've previously given in the past, which means, um, uh, Stephen, make sure that you kind of give that context. But yeah, go ahead. So, Lewis, I am going to recommend you a film from a director and writer that I have recommended you something before that film was the great, the one, the only Valyrian and the city of a thousand planets. Oh, what the fuck are you doing? My favorite movie of all time, Valyrian and the city of a thousand planets. Now I went back and forth Lewis of which Luke Besson movie to give you. I think ultimately I decided I was going to stay in a very similar sci-fi genre and one that might be i don't know kind of controversial so i'm going to give you lewis the fifth element by luke besson 
This was a 1997 film, mainly starring Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich, who I feel like doesn't even exist anymore. When was the last time you've heard Mila Jovovich? When was the first time I've heard that? Sorry, go on. Just now. Yeah, <laughs> you. <it was. laughs> okay. So, Lewis, my recommendation to you, 1997's The Fifth Element. Okay. Um, so, great. Well, I'm glad you, you gave me something that was a bit dickish, although it seems like you're being on the nicer end of the spectrum because I know... Um, that, yeah, um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be frankly honest with you, Lewis. I wanted to give you something else by Limp Biscuit, but I couldn't yeah, but, listen oh, to that another would have been Limp cheating. That would that would have been cheating because you, it wasn't your wreck. It wasn't your wreck. You're, you, you I know. You dodged a bullet, Steven. That wasn't I know. your wreck. Okay. I know. That's what I realized, so that's why I didn't nice. do it. <laughs> That would have been so fucked. God damn it. Chocolate starfish. I just got reminded that I listened to that for this show. Audience recommendation? I gotta say, man, the likelihood of that happening again? Pretty low. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Right. So, uh, to give a little bit of context here. Um, you know, when, when it came to doing re and I, I really wanted to do this um, little trilogy here because I thought, you know, going back and looking at some of the recommendations that I'd given Steven early on in this, sh um, in this show and even kind of throughout it, I guess um, a lot of my thought process was always like, I want to get a reaction out of him of some sort. It didn't really matter if what I was giving him was like bad or good, but it was always just like, I really want to get that reaction out of him. Um, it wasn't really about uh, the discussion. A lot of the time, like the fact that I recommended you a Swans album and it was filth. The fact that I recommended you, you know, Trout Mask Replica is our first, uh, recommendation, which I'd give that to anybody, but still, you know, it was pretty obvious that's what I was doing. And so I was like, when I, when I realized that kind of later on, I was like, man, I really wish that I could have shown Steven some of the better stuff from these bands. Like, yeah, I really like Filth, but it's not a starter album, and I knew he wasn't going to like it. Um, so I was like, man, I really, I should show Steven a better album by, like, my favorite band, right? So that was kind of the thing going into this. And I, and I always wanted to make sure that not only was I covering a bass, um, not, not only was I covering one of those bases, but it's something that maybe was even more important is I wanted to make sure I gave, I, I made Steven go back to something that I knew he wouldn't have otherwise. Like when he said that he really wasn't into, um, um, uh, Pink Floyd, I was like, well, he's probably not going to go check out more Pink Floyd albums. And when he said like, um, or, or with filth that he hated it so much, why the hell would you ever want to listen to more swans after hearing filth and just thinking it was a bunch of noise, you know? Um, so I, that was kind of my, my thought process going into a lot of this. But, but the funny thing is, Stephen, and I realized that um, uh, you actually did my work for me because of all 30 episodes leading up to Rewrecked, or I guess 29, there was only one thing, there was only one thing that Stephen specifically said he wasn't going to go back to. And I was like, oh man. Um, and so Stephen, I'm going to be a dick and force you to go back to something you said you were going to avoid. Steven, I am recommending you four more episodes of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. I'm giving you specifically Suited for Success, Pinky Pride, The Cutie Map, and Amending Fences. And that does it for today. You know, I really wish you gave me Limp Biscuit actually, because then I'd feel a little bit better about that. Um, but whatever. You know, Lewis, just as I reminded you that we listened to Chocolate Starfish. You just reminded me that I had to watch My Little Pony. In fact, I have so wanted to... It, it's escaped my brain. Like, it doesn't even exist in my consciousness anymore. And now I have to go back to this. And it's all your fault, buddy! 
Oh, anyway. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry. I even just recently looked at, have you seen that game, Them Fighting Herds? Yeah, I played it at my friend's house. You know what? It's actually pretty fun. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, but even when I looked at that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I remember this used to be a My Little Pony game. I've never watched My Little Pony because that's how much I've had it out of my head. I've like blocked it out of my memory. Oh, man, that's a real shame. Anyway, oh, okay. Well. Um, we do actually have some housekeeping today. Uh, and, and this is not really super important because I have to be kind of vague, actually, because I haven't really announced anything. Um, but all I want to say is stay tuned and check out other announcements that come out on this channel because they are going to relate to Get Wrecked pretty hardcore. Um, and I don't want you guys to miss out on that and think that like Get Wrecked is over or something. Okay. That's all I'll say for now. Um, oh, Steven, do you want to announce, I hope you, I hope you know what I'm talking about so that you can make it epic. Okay. Do you want to announce the amazing new branding decision? The, um, what the fuck would a business call this? Um, oh, branching out that our brand has done in the past two weeks. I think I know where you're going with this, but maybe not. Uh, so everyone, we are now on a new service. Yes, we are. We are on something called CastBox. I don't have the link or anything, but we are on there. Uh, if you want to listen back to our podcast, specifically if you want to listen to our podcast, have a version where you can easily download and listen in the car. Um, without having to utilize any YouTube streaming or YouTube download. That's a service. It is completely free to listen to our podcast on CastBox. We don't do the live streams on there. It's only uh, it's only old uploads, so only if you want to go back and listen to our amazing vocals, just grace your ears oh, as yes. you're on your morning commute, listening to things like Chocolate Starfish and other great essentials, Valerian. Oh, Steven, if they're listening to Chocolate Starfish, I don't know why they'd want to put on Good Rack. You know, like, why would you want to turn that off? You know, I mean, that's the perfect drive time commute album. Um, that's true. Like, listen to how two people share your feelings about that wonderful grace of an album. Uh, then you can listen to our podcast, Get Wrecked. Yeah, and anyway, this episode, I'll hopefully remember to put it up as soon as we get off. Yeah, um, I don't know if you mentioned this. Did you mention that there's a CastBox app so you can just have it right on your phone? Right, there is a CastBox yeah. app. So so anytime you want to hear glorious Get Wrecked, of course, you always can. Um, once again, uh, before just before we leave, just so everyone knows, please stay tuned for announcements on my channel. If you like the show, it's going to be pretty important. Um, but I'm not sure when it will come. And other than that, I think that's it. A am I right? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, Well, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked.